Welcome to A Little Juju Podcast. This is the podcast all about honoring our ancestors, honoring ourselves, black ass spirituality, decolonizing our spiritual traditions and getting free, like getting free. Spirit gonna help us get free. This is the podcast to help us think through some of those things together. My name is Juju. I'm the host of this here show. I come to you as an Orisha devotee, as a hoodoo practitioner, as a medium, all around theologian, bad bitch, witch, depending on which day. And, um, you know, your Reverend Pastor, your Reverend Pastor. So thank y'all for tuning in for another episode. If you are back and you listen to every episode, welcome back, boo. Good to have you. If you are new, it's still good to have you too. Come on in, come on in the room. Come on in the room. You go, we're going to have a good time today. I have a very exciting, um, episode for y'all because we are interviewing Satara who is a conjure doctor, a two-headed doctor who is a medium, a diviner, a musician, um, all around just queen. <laughs> so we love Satara over here on uh, ALJ platform. So I'm really excited to introduce her to folks who don't know her or maybe even reintroduce her. We get, we're definitely getting a lot of tea about her life. Um, she has such a powerful story. So uh, sit back, relax, enjoy. I ain't gonna run my mouth too much because you know, I just like to get into these interviews. I got a couple little announcements and then uh, we're gonna get into, get into some good stuff a little bit later. So thank y'all for tuning in. Get comfortable, relax, and let's drop this intro. Welcome to the show. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. A little juju. A little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. If you would like to keep up with the conversation of the show, hashtag ALJ pod, hashtag a little juju podcast. It's a little longer, but if you want to do that, tag me on the gram, tag me, let people know what you are listening to and what you are joining on today. Um, so like I said, we have a really exciting interview. Oh, first of all, I know you probably hear birds chirping and, um, you, you may hear a police siren. You might hear some babies crying because some babies was crying early. You might hear some dogs. That's because I am sitting outside and recording the podcast today. Why? Because it feels good and I need to get some air. Number one, need to get some air. Please get air. I know we're staying home and we're being safe and we're doing six feet, but get some air. <laughs> so I'm getting some air. And I just figured why not? you know bring in and embrace the energy of east baltimore like who doesn't want a little east baltimore sounds in the background for a little razzle dazzle so (laughs) just we embracing all of it it is what it is i want to be outside so 
that's the vibes you're, we're, we're gonna get today until the interview that's inside but yeah I just had to let y'all know for future reference when you hear things uh, I'm, I'm in East Baltimore okay but shout out West Baltimore that's where I'm from um anywho so you all I so it's an interview episode so I know I don't like to talk too much before because I just want it to really be about the guests that we bring on but I just have to say, I just have to drop this real quick. I have been going through it. And I feel like I said I was going through it last time because I talked about um, some shadow work. And for those who are not familiar with shadow work, um, again, it's basically a process to unpack and sort of unearth some of the darker sides of ourselves. You know, the things that may be tucked away within our memory boxes, sometimes traumatic, sometimes not. And really just looking at them. And I said that I was doing that last episode. I'm still on my shadow work journey. I think that honestly there needs to be an episode sort of dedicated to shadow work. And and I guess how to do it. I feel like it's I need a guest for it to, to talk about this. But I, I do want to really get into all of the things that have come up for me at some point. Because it's been so much y'all. And also I've been engaging with plant medicine to help me sort of do my whole healing shadow work like y'all I've been apologizing to people I didn't think I was gonna apologize to ever like ego getting checked honey it's deep and I recognize that it needs to be a whole show so I'm just saying that but I just had to tell y'all the baby been going through it (laughs) I've been going through what I have also been going through it about and I think it's so funny that Satara is going to be on this episode later because um I have started to embrace sidereal astrology which is a different form of astrology some say it is more accurate than tropical psychology which is the I'm sorry I keep saying psychology because I'm a psychology girl astrology um it is a some people say it's a more accurate form of astrology um besides the more westernized form that many of us uh learn from which is tropical psychology um, astrology um so based on sidereal i would identify well i wouldn't identify necessarily as a gemini but basically my sun sign is gemini and y'all know i'll be talking about being a cancer how i love being a cancer i'm like the embodiment of what it means to be a cancer that is fully my energy and i still hold that to be true however Based on sidereal, my sun sign would be in Gemini. And Satara is like Gemini, Gemini queen. And I've been calling myself a Gemini recently because there are so many aspects of Gemini that I see in myself. And it's interesting. If you are not familiar with sidereal, I would look into at the people's oracle. Um, Of course, Dana Lynn Knuckles is like, the queen of sidereal i'm definitely not <laughs> you know i seek am seeking guidance from her and her page um so we're definitely going to interview dana you know i'm not going to get too deep into sidereal because i'm still learning about it but i'm just saying that one of my shadow things that has been coming up is that i am a gemini <laughs> you know in one form of astrology and you know i haven't been looking it's interesting I think sometimes as humans we we put ourselves in boxes because that's how we learn that's how our brains work 
And sometimes, even with astrology, even, you know, you know, spiritual, quote unquote, folk, we get so kind of wrapped up in signs and, and all of that, that we can tend to sort of not see ourselves, which we should be in every sign. Or we don't even entertain how we might be doing a thing that's very Aries or a thing that's very uh, Leo. You know, sometimes we don't even allow ourselves to. All right, dog. Come on, baby. Dog is. Baby girl has, has quiet down. Okay. So it's like we don't even allow ourselves to be or entertain how the other signs are within us. And this is sidereal or tropical or whatever. But I think what sidereal has done for me and just seeing myself as a Gemini, I'm able to recognize like that I do have very deep Gemini traits. And before I could just be like, oh, Geminis do this, Geminis do that, Geminis, Geminis, Geminis. And I'm like, honey, you, you're that. Like, I haven't seen myself, y'all. I know this is going to sound wild. And every time I say it, people are like, huh? But this is just how, like, past up and trauma really impacts you. I don't see myself as a media maker. I don't see myself as a podcaster. I ha- Or I haven't. You know, I haven't seen myself as somebody who curates things. I have not seen myself as that. I often see myself as a nurturer. I've seen myself as very mothering. You know, I see myself as, like big sister auntie that's kind of how people I've always been that and I've always carried that particular energy and so I also think that's deeply in alignment with my sign of cancer because I am those things but I'm also a media maker I'm also like clearly there's I've always thought of myself as being really shy and not liking to talk and I think that that's true in like public settings um but I can I have a whole podcast where I'm talking. So clearly it's not true that I don't like to talk. You know, it's like, and these are all very basic and obvious things. But I think some of that shadow stuff has been like, well, why why have I not allowed myself to really embrace this title of podcaster? Why haven't I been able to allow myself to embrace this title of someone who makes media or someone who maybe has good conversation skills or people, you know, people tell me I'm a good storyteller. Y'all have often said that to me. And I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, thanks. I don't see myself as a storyteller. But it's like, because you have this whole Gemini part of yourself that you haven't even allowed to really see the light of day. You put yourself into this category of you're just a healer. But no, baby, you curate things. And like, that is something that I've really been thinking about a lot and sitting with. So my offer to y'all is, sure, if you want to find out what your chart is from a sidereal aspect, go do that and go follow at the People's Oracle but this is just a rem- like a reminder, you know, astrology or not to really see all the sides of you. Like whatever you've put yourself in a box in, you know, whether you're an artist, you're a singer, you're a you're a nurse, you're a whatever you call yourself. You're like 10,000, you're like 10 million more things than that. And so like take an opportunity to really like think about some of those things and praise yourself for those other things. You're more than a a mom. You're more than um, a child. You know, you're more, those things are very important. But like you're also good at, you're really good at cooking. So maybe you're a chef, like call yourself that. Like you're also really good at singing. You're a singer, you know. You might not have ever written a book. That don't mean you ain't a writer. You just ain't never really written anything or you haven't allowed yourself. You haven't even seen yourself in that way to go do the thing. So now that I've been seeing myself as a Gemini, I've really been embracing like, yo, maybe I'm kind of good at 
some things I haven't really been okay for me to say I'm good at. Like, honestly, y'all, it's just been so deep. Like, I could run out so much about this. Um, but yeah, I just, it's, it's, I know it sounds basic, but it has been mind blowing for me. It really has been. So I just wanted to share that with you. I hope that you're seeing all of your parts and all of yourselves. Um, I'm, I'm encouraging that because we are so much more than we've allowed ourselves to be, honey. And we are so much more than people tell us we are. And we are so much more than we tell our damn self. So that's my word today. Um, let us transition into donations to the show. Um, why it is important to donate and share with each other. And then we're going to get into the lovely interview with Satara. All you need is a little juju. A little juju podcast is written, hosted, and crafted by me, Juju. And this process is a labor of love and healing, but it is labor nonetheless because podcasting ain't free. It takes time, money, and resources to produce this show for you bi-weekly which is why i request donations and that's why they're so important there are a few ways to donate both monetarily and non-monetarily that are both deeply appreciated the first monetary way i'll mention is through the site patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash jujubay which allows you to contribute to the show monthly on the first of the month patreon automatically takes out whatever you choose to donate ranging from one dollar to as many dollars as you like and based on the level of donation is the level of content that you receive from me so that can include exclusive deals videos and even access to some of my ebooks if that's too committal of a way to donate, of course, you can hit me up on my cash app, dollar sign, I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E, or through PayPal at the T-H-E Jujubay at gmail.com. And I want to shout out everyone who hits me up on the cash app and PayPal. And I will say by name each person who became a patron for this week. Okay, okay, so big shout out to my patrons. Uh, first person, shout out to Mimi, a light-skinned, thick John Willocks, who edited their pledge. <laughs> first of all, okay, I see you, sis. Thank you for editing your pledge and still being a patron. I appreciate you. Shout out to Charity Gant for becoming a patron. Shout out to Tiana, Ashley Gray, Kemi Elise. Imani Hyacinth. Hyacinth. Thank you, Imani. I'm sorry if I butchered your name. Shout out to Candace Martin, Gabrielle Morris, Brandon Floyd, Queen Oduyale. Shout out to Issa Bird for editing your pledge. Uh, thank you to Darian Jaline, Lauren Wilson Carter, Querabe Suarez Whirlin, Zenobia Ranger, Sylvia Hadnot. Lucy Byros, Isha Weber. Shout out to Norma Simpson for editing your pledge to a sweet 1111. Thank you. Shout out to Lauren Soleil, Kimberly Charles, Krista Joy, Neela Reed, William Harrison, Amaris Wilson, Red Clay Roundup, Neela Reed, William Harrison, Amaris Wilson. Thank you. Um, and that is all my patience for today. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I love repeating names on here because how I'll be looking at it on, on my side, sometimes it, the names come up twice when people become a patron. I don't know, it's weird. If you had Patreon, you know what I'm talking about. So I'll be repeating names 
But anyway, I appreciate you because I appreciate y'all so much. Just double time. Um, y'all know that I do not take the energy of money lightly. Thank you for sharing it with me. Thank you for pouring into me and thank you for taking care of me. I speak abundance, prosperity over you as well. May you have the tools, may you have the money, may you have the energy, may you have the resources to be able to complete and do what it is that you have been called to do um, on this plane. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm sharing the energy of abundance with you as you have shared it with me tenfold. So. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you to everyone who hit me up on the Cash App. Thank you to Destiny. I know I don't normally do individual names for Cash Apps and PayPal because um, it's special for my patrons, but I just need to say shout out to Destiny. <laughs> so thank you, Destiny. Um, and yes, yeah, sharing the energy of abundance with all of you. And briefly for the non-monetary ways to donate, which are just as important, you can shout me out, tag ALJPod or Juju Bay on social media. You can put people onto the show, rate the uh, ALJPod five stars on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you are using. Subscribe to the podcast so when new episodes come, it just pops up so you already hit comment let people know how you feel about the show tag me on ig all of the things just help spread the juju gospel that matters to me that deeply matters to me so thank you all so much for those who are consistently like new episode out y'all i'm listening listen to this tag this put me onto this podcast i'm put i put my mama on yes i appreciate y'all thank you thank you thank you thank you Alrighty, my love so the moment that we have all been waiting for the interview with the Satara Troutman, um, my friend who has actually taught me a lot on this journey. I learn from Satara um, all the time. She is the one that encouraged me to start reading. Well, I, I knew I was supposed to start reading Dice. And she's the one that sort of assisted me and helped me because her spirits were like, um, help this poor girl. And she told me, you know, how she reads her dice and, and taught me that. And then it was just over from there, just from a Facebook comment. We didn't even know each other like that back then, but that's how we met. And so she's one of my favorite diviners. She's one of my favorite mediums. She is who I send a lot of folks to because I'm not reading um, anymore right now. And she's also one of my favorite musicians. So i um, really excited to just talk with her about the sinking of those two and just hoodoo and conjure and as someone she you know she's been practicing her whole life which is you know amazing within itself so yeah I always feel a little bit more psychic after talking to Satara because she's so damn psychic so yeah sit back relax enjoy get into my friend who is booked and busy and we love to see it and um yeah let's get into the conversation thanks for tuning in Oh my gosh, I'm so excited today to interview Satara, y'all. Like Hi. the day has finally come where Satara's on the podcast and we've been talking about it for a while. And I'm just happy that it is now in this time. I feel like it's super relevant. Um, you just have so much like amazing stuff going on too. So I'm just like excited to finally talk to you and just do the little juju satara situation that the girls have been waiting for. <laughs> so thank you for being here. And I really um appreciate it. Y'all know Satara. I love Satara. I've talked about Satara on the show. If you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you already know that like this is my boo. So I'm just I'm just happy you're here. So thank you. Yes! I am so excited to be here. I agree that this has been like a long time overdue. Everybody on the Instagram verse, and I'm a new Twitter user, and 
Davey broke the internet and just like a lot is happening with Twitter <laughs> that I'm not really prepared for. And so I'm excited to be here on the podcast because you are my baby baby and now I'm at your work. I'm so proud. Thank you. Um. Okay, well, I think we should just get right into it because... I'm ready, honestly. And this is going to be good, y'all. I just I just feel in my bones. Okay, so, Satara, um, like I asked all my guests when they first come on, tell us who you are, what your title is, you know, how you identify yourself. Hey, I am Satara. I am a conjure doctor and I say revolutionary artist and creative. And I'm a musician. So I currently what that means in like terms of what I do, my work. Because when people hear that, they're like, that's some artsy fartsy. Like, so like, are you a doctor or, and I'm like, okay, so let's like break it down into normal people terms. I spend my time divining within hoodoo traditional systems. Um, so I'm a div- diviner first and foremost. Um, I'm also a conjure doctor. So when someone comes to the divination mat, then providing the appropriate spiritual prescriptions for those people. And then my career outside of spiritual work, which now the two hold hands, but before it was kind of like a left arm and a right arm. I'm a musician. So touring with other artists, um, really now focusing on my next record. I already have an EP out that we'll probably talk about later, but I'm working on my second one now. Um, so that's me and I produce and I write and I sing. We love to see it. A conjure doctor, a musician, uh, a hoodoo practitioner. So how do you sort of, I guess a little bit of background, how long have you been practicing hoodoo? Like how long have you been practicing, you know, your work, your spiritual work and your music? Ooh, so I say really both of those things my whole life. But there were points where I decided to take each of those professionally because you have the things that you do that feel like culture and feel like upbringing and feel like healing. And then you decide to take those things and turn them into work. And I think that's where a lot of creatives have their little anxieties. And so for me, those points are always kind of navigating points for me. Mm -hmm. So in terms of hoodoo, for me, I would really say Conjure in particular, working with the dead was something that I grew up with. My mother um, sees dead people like people, like the way that most people see people on the street. Um, And I come from a lineage on both sides, my mother and my father's side, where we had professional conjure doctors like directly in the lineage and where speaking with spirit was not strange. And so I really grew up in a hoodoo household and maybe not in the active practice way, like what's so interesting to me now is we have this culture around hoodoo and active practice. Um, And I'm really happy about that because I feel like that's where our healing is. But in my family, the conversations around how to work with the dead, working the dead, not letting the dead scare you, um, how to move a spirit out of the house, how to welcome a spirit into the house, how to like the basics of working the dead were things I grew up with little, little. Like my earliest memories are my grandma lives in Maple Heights, Ohio, which for those of you who know Midwest history was a really important point on the Underground Railroad. I think we don't talk about how black people got to the Midwest. Um, Maple Heights was a huge place for that. And so a lot of the houses are old. They belong to like abolitionists or black people. And they have like hidden compartments in the walls. Like people are finding like um, little closets that pull out where you could hide people. And so my grandma lives in Maple Heights and I remember not wanting to go into the basement 
because everyone knew in my family, and it was like talking about the weather, that there were two dead white people that lived in my grandma's basement, <laughs> a man and a woman. And we know the floor plan for the house. So we know that my papa, who lived down the street, built the top layers of the house. So the basement used to be the living room. And so they would sit in the living room like norm, like they were pissed off that it was Negroes in their house. Even though they were probably abolitionists, they were sick over the idea that like we were living in that house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my laundry was in the basement. And so I used to be scared to go down there and like get my stuff out the washer because I was like, I don't want to be around the mean white people. Mm-hmm. So um, for hoodoo and for um, seeing, in, I always say conjure, because for me, that's the part again about this mediumship thing my whole life. Um, and then I was just a natural diviner. I think I was pulling cards for people. I got a pendulum at like five. My grandmother has a pendulum. My mama has a pendulum. So I grew up in that kind of, my mother took it a step further and encouraged my gifts. Um, I had really crazy like possession experiences as a kid, which was interesting. And I just talked to my mom recently because she used to like pray over my bed every night to keep the spirits off of me. So I was a really naturally mediumistic kid and I'm grateful that my mom nurtured that in the ways that she did um so I really was always working especially the diviner and writing like small prescriptions here and there for people um in college mostly um and doing a lot more divining and some in divining in high school and like middle school but really writing like spiritual prescription for folks in college and then later and we'll talk about how I guess now is the time to talk about how um then made a pivot after going to school for in college for real. There was like these watershed moments that led to me working professionally. And to right. me, that was always my main trajectory. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think of myself in a lot of African traditional practices. We have like an inner world and an outer world. Um, mm-hmm. My outer world was very music. I think that most of the people who know, know me, who don't know me personally, know me from music. So, um, Playing and touring, I was a bass player, singer. I played all around Atlanta. My family are musicians. Um, so that was the world that I grew up in primarily. Um, and so went to school for music, studied music in college, did my master's in music production, but always keeping like black things and womanism and liberation like in my work. I was an Africana studies minor. Um, I started our Black Lives Matter chapter at my school. I produced a concert um, that was about Black Lives Matter. So I was known in college, I think, for Black activism and music within my music conservatory. I was like a Black girl. You Mm -hmm. know, I feel like every campus has to like, you know, whatever the angry, dear white people girl. Like, (laughs) that was me at Berkeley. I was very dear white people. Yeah. Um, and so even though I was a musician, it's like you're a musician amongst people who aren't musicians. But when you go to a conservatory, I went to Berkeley, where everyone was a musician, I was that black girl and that right. black girl. So they've always protected, but just like who sees me as what. So, mm-hmm. you Depending know. where you are. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Um, I think it's interesting. I want to go back a little bit to, you know, growing up in sort of a conjure house. One, I think that that is 
I think two things. One, I think it's uncommon sort of that you had a family that sort of groomed you in this way. For a lot of folks who are sort of on this journey now, they, they're kind of new to it. Like it's a new idea or a new concept, or maybe they're just putting some pieces together. Mm-hmm. But for you, it was like, no, my mama saw dead people. I saw dead people. <laughs> we saw dead people. My, my grandmama had a pendulum. Like, you know, people are do actively doing things around us. And I think that that's so, it's so needed now as we talk about Conjure too. And also I, I like that, you know, it may not necessarily have been your family saying like, okay, and right now we're doing conjure, Satara. Right. But it was through actions. It was through, okay, you can do this thing and we can bring about this thing. So I just think that that's so interesting. Like, I don't know. And I feel like a lot of people can identify with that in a way of like, it's not about, hey, I'm doing conjure right now, but paying attention to what the elders and people around you are doing. Um, but then also like actually not having the whole, I had to leave the Christian church and then find myself you know um yeah I'm just wondering if you had any thoughts about that I mean yeah it's so interesting I think that for me it has been such a gift and in a lot of ways in the way that this conjure community is shaping up and finding my place in this community I am learning so much about the experience of conjure for people that are new to it. And that's really interesting for me because I grew up so inside of it. Um, I recognize that it's uncommon. Um, I think that in so many ways, a lot about who I am is uncommon because of that. Because, I mean, it was a conjure house really through and through. And so it was very womanist. The women in my family are sexually free. Things like that. That like when I look at the way that I view myself, and the mobility with which I move, so much of that has to do with my spiritual upbringing. Um, and so when I talk to people about, you know, having that experience of leaving the church, I really did grow up in the way where the church was a cultural peripheral um, space. Right. I do feel like I got to, I got to experience a lot of the joy and socialization in church without having to internalize the dogma, because I always felt like I always no shade, no tea but lived in a space where it was like, those niggas tripping. And that's not the experience even of my mother. And so my family kind of, I think, did the wonderful thing of holding on to a lot of this in their work and talking about it openly. And then I really will give it to the women in my family each generation for kind of like shedding whatever that thing was. Like I look at my grandmother and she's like, drastically more sexually free than her mother was but her mother is like drastically more sexually free than her mother was you know what I mean and my mother um we will talk about Miss Tara shout out mommy because I know she is listening to this we love mommy right my namesake um in a lot of ways really shattered even what my grandmother's expectations of her were and so I really think that when I see people who are like oh well, you grew up with this And you didn't have to live through that shame of this. I do recognize the privilege that comes in that space. But I also really am like, but you get to be that person. Like like the flip for me is feeling like I have a lineage and a legacy to uphold and feeling really nervous to do three things differently. And people aren't, it almost feels nice to be, I get excited when I see people approach it from the outside. You know, I know that that can be difficult, mm-hmm. but I'm so, it's like, I'm so excited for them 
You know, and also having a psychic family baby is for the birds. They are in your honey. In your can't do nothing. I can't do not a thing. <laughs> I remember like, just small things. I remember like people getting pregnant in high school. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that, except for my mother is the person that knows that you're pregnant before you. And so I was so, my sexual experiences in high school, like I was very careful. I did whatever, I did what I do. I hate, but I was very careful to make sure that that was not a thing. And people would be like, why are you so careful? And I would be like, because I would wake up with my mother like, you're pregnant. So what's <laughs> so what's going on? So, so what's that? Pregnant. And so like now as an adult, I'm like, well, I'm not pregnant because my mom would be no. You know, now as a grown person, it's kind of an asset. But as a teenager, like the thought would be, it would be mortifying. I mean, my mom would be like, who's that boy you like? Like, <laughs> it's in your team. All in the tea. Dreams about you. Cousins calling comments. Dreams they had about you. It's mess. See, ain't nobody got time, honey. Nope. <laughs> mess. I love the. I love that you said you sort of look at it as you understand the privilege that it has, you know, but also recognizing that it's such a beautiful opportunity for other folks to be like, yeah, but you get to be sort of that person that gets to actually create this new narrative in your family and create a new tradition. Mm-hmm. That's what's about about um so I do want to go back I want to continuously like sort of circle into your music and then conjure both because that's how I see you because like Mm. you literally flawlessly execute both and I know that they're they're connected um so you know I know that you had these gifts you know you grew up you grew up in a spiritualist house and family you're divining in college but you're in college literally to be you are a musician (laughs) so you're studying music like that's your whole thing yeah that's my goal yeah, so like what sort of started you on that journey and then what sort of made you fuse conjure and music together in the ways that you have now? Ooh, okay. So it's funny because I've been thinking a lot about this. Like what was the thing that made me a musician? So many things. So um, I'm a Troutman. Um, there are a lot of Troutmans in the world, but if you're talking about Troutmans from Ohio, um, I come from a big musical family. And so um, Zap and Ryder Troutman are like my cousin uncles is what I call them, like the cousins who are closer to you like uncles, but they were old enough where I would never call. Also, they were so much older than me that you would never call them cousin. Right. That's like very black, you know, like <laughs> you can't call your uncle cousin it's like right no 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 position of honor so when you reduce it to cousin wrong right right Um, but they were in a funk band called zap and roger troutman um and then roger did a lot of things solo so he did computer love he did um, (laughs) yes um i want to be your man and then I live in L.A. now, so California Love with Tupac and everybody. Um, he is singing that hook. He made the talk box famous. Um, and so always growing up with that musical legacy and that music in my house. And, you know, that me literally they play at every family reunion. Like Zap still comes back and plays at the family reunion. They tour all the time. Um, Roger and Larry are no longer with us, but the rest of the band goes 
So they would come back. And so I grew up in that. Um, and then my godmother worked really closely and I think still works really closely with India Ari, who was such a inspiration in my life. India, if you listen to this, obviously, you know, I love you, girl. But um, India was probably the first person, the first artist. My mom was a hairstylist and makeup artist growing up. Um, and so that whole kind of team of people with the neo soul kind of scene in Atlanta was my scene. And so all those, I'm from Ohio, but I'm, my mom moved me to Atlanta when I was five. So that whole scene of like Apache and um, all of the artists that were playing in those circles. So like um, Anthony David, India Ari, a lot of the people from Philly, you think about like Jill Scott. Um, in a lot of ways, Anthony Hamilton was a part of that vibe. Um, my bass teacher, Kari, who I love very much, was India's bass player for a good minute. And so that scene of musicians, I really think like India as a woman and seeing her up there as a black woman saying the things that were like on her heart. This is what I mean when I say like I got to grow up so free as an artist and as a creative and as a conjurer, like at five years old, six years old, listening to those songs that she wrote like her calling my mom because they were friends and being like I wrote this and so I know India's music is like the music that is in my subconscious because I knew those songs before they were out and like if you go read the liner notes of the first few records there's always a cute little note to me which used to be like my joy yeah like on Voyage to India and um, the first record you can look in the liner notes. If any of you guys still have liner notes, wow. If you have a physical copy of that, you'll see a note to like my mother and I. And that used to just make my life, like the joy that that was as a little girl. Um, and so that with India, growing up around musicians, locking eyes with Kari, who is wonderful, still a bassist in Atlanta, doing a lot of dope production and watching him play bass and being like, I need to figure that out. Like that's for me. Um, and so I started playing bass, always writing songs. The first song I ever wrote was a rap <laughs> and I ran to bother my mom and I was like, mom, I wrote a rap and it was, um, I'm the best of the best. I'm the worst of the worst. I'm the baddest of the baddest. I always come first. So step out my way. Cause I really don't play money and fame is what I'm about. Anyone who tells me otherwise just gets stomped out. So if you come my way, you better come correct. Cause I already warned you and you know what to expect. Hey, I, I used to do, you know, the snap in the Z formation. Who was I? <laughs> A young queen. So then how did you go from rapping in the schoolyard <laughs> to, you know, conjure musician combo queen? Um, so I went to Berkeley, right? So it's kind of all happening simultaneously. But in terms of spiritual stuff, in a lot of ways, I'm not looking at that because I'm so at this point wrapped up in the music industry. I am, you know, writing and playing. And like I got to I met so many dope people in my childhood. And, and then like. Yes, music was and still is that girl, but was doing all of this music stuff. And at the same time, the older I'm getting, I'm having trouble assimilating to like normal life and being grounded. And I think this is important because a lot of my clients are like, I want to hear spirits. I want to be mediumistic. I want to open up. Uh, and I'm right. like... I, as somebody who was heavily mediumistic, I remember my mother praying over me. Like, 
I would close my eyes and go to sleep. And so the first thing is I'm a really big astral traveler to the point where it's disruptive in my life. It has since settled down since I got more spiritual discipline and I got guidance. But most of my people, elders who have read me always look at it like, oh, you must not get enough sleep because you travel. And so my mom will say when I was born, I was premature. They had me in the bassinet or whatever they put you in when you're born. And the doctors were concerned. They called my mom the next day because they were like, we've never seen someone, a baby that small. I was like four pounds. Um, like from one end of the bassinet to the other end of the bassinet. Like they were like, you're, she was underneath the mattress. She was across the thing. Like they, it was like the scary movies you see where like the person's in the bed and they're like, (laughs) 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 it is like, I lived like that as a kid, like from birth, I was such a wild sleeper. And I remember like waking up and always feeling groggy. It literally feels like a crash landing. It's the weirdest thing. And so I remember from young, my mom, as soon as I would close my eyes, she would pray over me, have like hard. And it's interesting because when my mom had my brother, I would wake up in the middle of the night fully, like now I realize spirit possessed and go in my brother's room and pray like an old woman. Like I was like, 10. My brother was born when I was 10. And I was in there and we intercede on his behalf, Father God, so that he knew. Amen. (laughs) Husky as fuck. Like, husky voice. Like, what is happening? (laughs) What is happening? And so, as I'm in college, really, high school a little bit, but as I'm in college, I went to school in Boston. I went to Berkeley College of Music, gang gang. Um, Really having crazy astral travel experiences, being hypersensitive in my work, in my relationships, like really not being able to focus in class because it felt like I could read everybody's mind and I could hear everybody's dead people. And I know that everybody, when they hear this, they're like, you're so cool. But I need you guys to understand that it really felt like I was losing my shit. I had an experience with a dear friend of mine and their sister in college, we were in, I had just got an apartment, like a little studio apartment off Hemingway in Back Bay. And it was like a stormy night and I had lit some candles, you know, the kind where the lightning strikes. And I was hanging out with some of my artsy friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That's literally what was happening. It was a stormy mm-hmm. night and I was hanging out with some of my artsy friends. And We were talking and we were having relatively intimate conversation. And uh, as they were talking to me, the conversation turned to their mother who has a drinking problem. And right when they talked about their mom, I started to feel that tingling I get in the back of my neck and my forehead, that tingly like, right? And then my chest got all crazy. And I was like, because I felt like I was vibrating. And I said, your mother drinks because she's like me. Because in that moment, I realized that their mother was a medium who never could ground themselves. Also a Gemini, which is interesting. I don't know if it's correlated, but at the time when they were talking about their mother, I saw myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have so many people in my life like this who are that and so many people in my family who are like that mental health thing because of that. I have that all the time. What it means to come from a lineage of mediums and the toll that it can take, especially because the special places that we create for mediums 
don't really exist under capitalism. Like there is really a care and keeping of mediums. We are highly sensitive people. That does not mean that we're weak, but it does mean that we're highly sensitive. And unless you have the proper eldership to really, and you know how to draw boundaries to protect that sensitivity, you really end up fucked up in the game. Uh Uh-huh. Lose yourself. Right. So here I was fucked up in the game. (laughs) And I was like, um, and I was like, your mother drinks because she's like me. And got that tingly feeling. And I started talking and I couldn't hear myself. And I was just talking, 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 child. And I'm a Gemini. I can't talk. But I saw that their sister looked terrified. And normally I would have had the social. I would have been like, wait, girl, what's wrong? But I talked all over them, child. And then when I came to, they were like, Satara, you didn't look like yourself. Your voice was different. Your face was different. And I said, well, who I look like? Because at this point, I'm just exhausted. Um, And they were like, well, you look like someone Native American. Long story short, this person is half indigenous Mexican, half black. And so I was like, you need to figure out who that is. And that was the first time that I like fully possessed the spirit. And I could not relax for three days. I couldn't focus. I was in class. I felt like I was going to throw up. I felt like physically weak in my body because there was just no aftercare. What? Like I did a two to six a.m. studio session directly after. Like I was just like fully zombified walking around. Um, and so that was my life for like a long time (laughs) and everywhere I went, these spirits would be on me. Like I would watch other mediums get possessed and come talk to me, but was still making music. I was touring with a band at the time. Um, I did my undergrad and when I was in Spain, I was doing a residency playing my original music and like doing a funk night and I played a couple festivals and I was getting my master's in music production. So music is always happening. I'm writing, I'm collaborating, I'm co-writing, but I'm like secretly trying not to tell everybody their business in these sessions. And like just trying to really pass off everything I know as like great emotional intelligence. And long story short, finna go back to Atlanta to stay with some family, of course, back in my little psychic house and wanted to get a divination from someone not related to me. Cause I was like, I'm grown. I have grown lady business. I don't want to ask my mom or my grandma or somebody to pull no cards or swing no pendulums with me. I'm a fine and diviner. And guess who get, I say, so, Hey, I'm back. I'm in Atlanta. Who hot in the city for what I need? Who has what I need? And they go, you should check out this diviner named Maisha. We love Maisha. We love to see it. <laughs> we um, love my over here. We love my. I love Mai's episode. Every time I listen to the podcast, that's like one of the episodes that I go back and I'm like, damn, she was really spitting. Spitting, okay? <laughs> episode three, honey. <laughs> oh my god this so now of course Maisha and I are familiar but at the time she did not know me and when she hears this story and she's gonna be like probably I don't, don't even remember that but Maisha said "Ooh, well you're you need to be taking clients you're a conjure doctor and she didn't know me you know she didn't know of me she did not know my family and I kind of just did this deep breath because I didn't want to do it You know, like, again, I have been doing it as needed in college. Like, I have friends who weren't sleeping well. Like, I live in Boston. A lot of the, 150, which is the dorm room in Berkeley, was haunted. Quote, unquote, haunted. And so I had friends who were, and there were hella unhappy spirits. It was a hotel, and I think that hotel burned down. And so I would, like, go clean people's rooms. Now I charge a lot for, but when I was in college, like, 
people would be getting like, what, you know, like their shit, like possessions, scratches and they sleep because all type of stuff. And I would go in there and I would do the thing, ring some bells, open some windows, you know, cuss things out and then it would be fine. So I knew what she was talking about, but just like had just finished my master's. <laughs> like, and I did school because I just wanted to like rent a studio. At like 18, I was like, right? Like I'm going to just become a writer. And my mom was like, what you're going to do is go to school. So I'd done all this school and was ready to dive headfirst into my music career, like no distractions. And here my Isha was being like, you're a conjure doctor. And I said, I know. And she said, no, for your job. And I was like, I'm a musician. And she was like, yeah, you are. And a really good one. And that's, you like, I see awards, shows, like you, you gonna have a great music career. But the money for your music career is going to come from your work as a conjure doctor because you are someone that needs to do things self-sufficiently. Like your job in this lifetime is to really, from yourself, create this. And that they go together and that you really need to put them together. And she said, stop acting like you can't hear these dead folks. And so I was like, okay, let me do what I need to do. And I knew what to do. And so yeah. I put a glass of candle in the water and put it there. And I said, okay, since y'all all up in my, I was pissed. I was like, so y'all telling all my business in a divination, which like, I don't know what I expected. <laughs> I don't know what I expected, but I was like, since y'all want to act like I need, don't pay y'all no attention, tell me what you need. And I lit the candle in the glass of water and went to sleep. And in the middle of the night, I heard a voice go, tobacco. And I said, what? And the voice was like, tobacco. And I was like, oh. And so I rolled over to my ex and said, babe, in the morning, can we go to the tobacco store? I need to pick up some tobacco for this spirit. We go, and of course, the next morning I look crazy because I don't smoke. So he goes, <laughs> the man goes, yeah, I said, I need tobacco. He said, loose or roll. I said, hold on, let me ask. And I just sat <laughs> At the, I'm sure to him it just looked like a moment of silence. Right. Meanwhile, you're talking to dead people. I, and I literally was like, what y'all want? Like, I like talked to myself and then I picked the tobacco that he told me he wanted. And the man looked at me like I had three heads. And I was just so like, I can't believe I'm really doing this right now. You know, <laughs> it took it. And I put it on the altar in a bowl. And when I put it in the altar in a bowl, he said, I need you to smoke it, girl. And I said, mm, I don't smoke tobacco. So, ugh. and this is what I mean, psychic house. At the time I had moved back with my mother and my mom goes, Satara, come here. Cause I had taken the tobacco and left the like wrapping in the, in the kitchen. And my room was like off the kitchen. And she said, y'all smoking now? Talking about me and the man that was my boyfriend at the time. I said, no, it's for, and she goes, oh, it's for him. And I said, oh, great. You can see him. Tell me what he looked like. She said, uh, dark skin. And then I looked in the corner and I could see who she was talking about. Because I feel like psychic people are like conductors. So as soon as she, and she's my mama. So that's like eyes on my eyes. Right. Um, and so she was like, I was like, oh, yeah. I go, is he related to you or daddy? And as soon as I went to go see, say daddy, I knew that he was related to my father. My mom mm -hmm. at that same time said, I don't know him. And he said, I'm related to your father, girl. And then I said, no, it's for him. And she said, oh, okay, go ahead. So I um, lit it under a little charcoal incense and was like, 
will that work? And he said, that'll have to do. And I said, what can I call you? He said, you can call me Papa, right? Pause. Keep that in your head. And I put some pink flowers. If you guys notice, there are pink roses on all my branding. That's for my grandma Rita. Um, I put, she had just passed in like October of that year. And so I put pink roses on my altar for her and I just kind of chilled. A few days later, I was scheduled to go to this music conference called NAM in LA. And I go to this music conference and I stay with my auntie Cheryl, who lives here in um, Costa Mesa. And I hadn't been feeling well um, for a long time, but I wasn't paying attention to it because I was still in that college, like overwork yourself energy. Um, But when I got to Costa Mesa, I went to one day of this conference and had like a sharp pain. And honestly, I thought I was just starting my cycle. And I think in the way that women do, we're like, well, this don't stop no show. I was trying to get like an endorsement deal from this bass string company at the time. I had just lost, left a band that like really fucked me over. (laughs) And so I was really like annoyed. And you know, that determination and like that blindness that comes from really wanting something. And I got sick. Long story short, I had an ovarian cyst that burst and I ended up in the hospital and I had sepsis because like the workaholic that I was, all of my Capricorn placements raise your hand and now please take a nap, right? Because I allowed all of the parts of myself and Scorpio placements too. Yeah. Just like single-minded to really kind of keep me going, even though I was sick. And I was laying in the hospital bed. Well, I went to the hospital and they were like, yeah, this is trash, right? And I had sepsis. So basically that meant that there was bacteria in my system and it was getting all over my body and my organs shut down. So like, my, you know, my stomach and my, all of your things stopped working. And on the last day that I was, well, not the last day, but like, um, on the maybe 10th day of being in the hospital, my lungs were going to fail. And I hadn't been doing well. And shout out to everybody that really prayed for me because, like, I reached out to Maisha immediately and she prayed for me. And, like, there were people on the prayer line, baby. I had Christians. I had, I, why I say Christians, like, that's like amazing. Like, I. <laughs> That'd be the first ones on the prayer line. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I had everybody in their mom praying for me. So, shout out to everybody that really covered me at that time because I know some of y'all will listen to this. Um, But the doctor comes in and goes, your lungs are failing. We can put you on like a breathing machine. And my mom was like, no, my daughter sings. Please don't put anything in her throat. And they were like, but we need your advanced directives because we think you're not going to make it. And I said, what? (laughs) He said, we think you're not going to make it. And he said, so we need your advanced directives. I said, I can't die. He said, what? I said, I have shit to do. Capricorn. I, I was just like, I have shit to do. I can't die. So I kicked everybody out the hospital room and I was like, hell no, hell no. And I was like, I said, ancestors, <laughs> what the fuck? Because I was like, I had just agreed to this. Like, I, like, I, we've worked on a music career. I just agreed to fucking do this conjure shit. Y'all done dragged me up out the crypt to do some shit. And now this is what the fuck we're doing. This is the first thing we're doing since I lay an offering. This is what we're doing. And I hear somebody come sit on my bed, walk in the room and sit on my bed. And it's the man that my mom described. And he looks at me. And the first thing he says is, 
<laughs> I smoked tobacco my whole life and I was never hooked up to this many machines. See? <laughs> Can we talk about spirits or petty? <laughs> and I was like, it's not funny. And he looked at me and he was like, you're going to be all right, girl, but you got to stop pretending that you can't see us. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and you can't go home. And so I was like, well, here we are. So, yeah, I did not die. I healed really fast in like four days. And the doctors were like, what the fuck? Because who does that? And I was like, ancestors do that. Um, and Kong Period. Does that. Um, yep. And the work of a good conjure doctor does that. And your mama's prayers and my grandma mm-hmm. do that. But did not die. Moved to Los Angeles. Built a kind of hodgepodge life of like touring. I worked at Sephora at one point. I taught music. I uh, built music production curriculum and was divining here and there, taking clients. And then after all of these failed attempts to work for somebody, because I had a lot of failed attempts of trying to be somebody's mm-hmm. like side man or somebody's. Um, and when I say failed, I won't say they were failed in terms of like notoriety, but just for me not feeling satisfied. I think I had a last falling out with the boss. I wrote a song about it. <laughs> um, and literally the first times I'm like, I've never been a day job type of bitch, no days off type of bitch. So I quit. Shit. Right. So wrote some angry songs and then was like, well, fuck it. Whatever happens ain't going to kill me. I almost died. So I might as well just be weird because I was so hesitant to do it because I felt like when people think conjure doctor, they were thinking old man in a straw hat or a lady in the right. hat, long skirt. And I just really, I, I don't know if it was imposter syndrome, which is so dumb because how could I have imposter syndrome coming from this whole lineage, but still right. internalize like what a psychic looks like. Mm-hmm. I just didn't mm-hmm. feel like people were ready to hear it from me. Cause I was what, 22 at the time I'm 25 now. Mm-hmm. Um, my business business, meaning taking clients public facing like on the internet, because I think I worked for the first little bit in that conjure doctor way of like, you know, a friend who knows a friend, like there's not a website for booking. Right. You know, somebody who knows somebody. And if they know somebody, they know that they can call me. Right. But right. I decided to do that a year ago. Yes. Like the, hello, this is me on the internet. People, do you need mm-hmm. like a year ago yesterday? And it's been a whirlwind. Like there are products, there are, uh, there's music coming out. There's a lot of clients. I divine like every other day, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's a lot happening. And so my ancestors definitely fast tracked me for being obedient. And the things yes. that I thought weren't going to hold each other's hands really do. Like they really go together. And it, it shook me. Cause I think- uh, yeah. <laughs> like your whole story. I mean, you just laid a lot on us <laughs> like a lot that happened like yeah this is you I mean you you almost lost your life and then healed in a very short <laughs> amount of time for someone who almost lost their life and then also congratulations that a year ago recently like you started your own business that is flourishing and has been beautiful to witness you know as a friend and also someone who has seen Satara like as a client so like it's 
honestly, we'd love to see it. And it really speaks to like the obedience. It speaks to, you know, not running from destiny and, you know, kind of once you start embracing it, how doors and everything just sort of opens up for you in a way that you probably did not plan for um, or didn't expect. So I'm curious, I guess, you know, as you have embarked on this journey, I mean, publicly, I guess, like as a public figure, I mean, I think of you as such. Um, What has that been like? Like, what is it like to be a millennial conjurer in 2020, in COVID, in like what's happening right now? What are you witnessing? What are you sort of experiencing? Oh, man. Um, It is really interesting because the first thing is like the first thing that was weird for me is like languaging. Like, how do you talk about something that is so ancient and also is closed? Because the first part is languaging and like conversation. Like, this is not something that's public facing. Even within my family, everybody related to us does not know everybody who conjures. All of the conjurers know each other and they know that we know, but everybody wasn't always public facing. And so that was a big deal. Um, And how do you talk about something? Because I know that providing. I do have a unique viewpoint. And so even in my music, I talk about conjure in a way that feels very colloquial and almost like lighthearted. And I was worried to step on toes of traditionalists, but I was also like, how do I say this in a way that makes sense? And so that's been interesting because it is very millennial. And I don't think people expect like youth and like, you know, like I'm a twerk with my friends. Like I was hype about Megan the Stallion. Like I think that they think that spiritual is not sexual or spiritual is not young or spiritual is not youthful. And sure. I don't like that. But my in terms of what I'm seeing and what my work is like, it's ridiculous. It's as ridiculous as you would think it would be. It really truly is like I filmed a music video. Um, with an artist I was playing bass for for two days and then flew to go be um, somewhere for a client and then came back and then did a cleaning on somebody and then slept for two days (laughs) and then had to create content for my channel. And then, you know, um, I'm divining kind of intermittently for family members and now it's coronavirus. And so I am, you know, like, (laughs) I'm so, so grateful And I think that for me is really nice because it allows the pacing. I hated feeling like I was on somebody else's time. So I do feel good about being able to have such a buoyant schedule. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of fear in the air, a lot of anxiety. Um, Corona has met a lot of clients that maybe cannot pay or do not have all the resources that they need. Um, It has meant like keeping a sick and shut in list going and praying for folks, setting works for my own family and my own house in terms of um, spiritual things. And in terms of music, it's meant like reformatting the way that we work. I'm doing a show. Uh, By the time that this airs, the show will have happened already, I think. But I play, I'm playing a virtual show. You know, I'm writing sessions. I matched with the dude on Hinge who was a producer. He sent me beats. I wrote over that. It's just very digital. I do miss touring though. And I was really excited to release my record this year and go on tour. And then Miss Rona and my ancestors were like, we're going to do another year of planning and writing. And so I'm just hoping there's good music that comes out and that it's worth the wait because I was, Mm -hmm. girl, I was ready for, I was ready for a 2020 plan. 
I know. I feel like this artists are being impacted in a very particular way um, right now. Um, that whew, it's just a lot. <laughs> it's just it's just a lot. Oh, like you say that, and I when the pandemic first hit, because you know, obviously, you guys heard my story about how I came to be this musician person, spiritualist person, and I would be lying if I said that like there wasn't resentment. Like I think people really don't understand that those of us who have a spiritual calling over our life like to be workers or to do things, we sacrifice a lot. And so in a lot of ways, I was resentful and angry because I had built my whole life up to really, like I said, I wanted to, in my mind, I wanted to be doing what all of my friends were doing. You know, I figured I would use my spiritual gifts 40 years from now. You know, I'd be 65 somewhere. I would have a family and just like make them fire cider. And it would be like this homey part of myself. I didn't think it would be public facing. I didn't think that it would be, work. And it did for a long time before I learned how to balance, take over my life. There's a lot to get together when you're first working professionally. So I remember just like working through, breathing through, literally doing ritual works around this resentment I had. And then coronavirus hit. And I watched everybody who was doing what I thought it was that I wanted to do. have nothing to do. And it's put a lot of people in a really tough situation. And I just know the situation for me. And I know that that was not, uh, that option was not an option that I would have survived. You know what I mean? Like having all of my tours canceled, like had I built a livelihood and then that bitch shut down. And so mostly I sat in my apartment when they were like, we're closing all live music and, you know, there will be no more gatherings until fall 2021, it looks like. And I just wept. At first, I wept for my friends, and then I wept in gratitude because I was like, I'm working. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, Look at Conjure. Look at, no, seriously. And I think that when African traditional practices and diasporic practices work their best, they're preemptive. Yeah. They work in advance, and so people have a hard time with yeah. People have a hard time, I think, following prescription or do. <laughs> Because it can we talk about it, please? And can can you talk about what what's a prescription? A spiritual prescription is something that comes from a diviner, um, or from a conjure doctor, or from, um, or, you know, your healer or your babalao, whoever's giving the prescription. So when you come to the diviner, we work in working traditions, healing traditions. So if there's something wrong in your life, I'm not just gonna be like, oh well, your shit's fucked up. Bye. <laughs> um, Generally, the work is um, giving a fix, whether that fixes herbs, plants, you know what I mean? Whatever. Lifestyle change. It's usually a combination of all those things offering. And people don't do their prescriptions. And so this is going to sound boring and goody two shoesy, but like I just try to do my prescriptions. And I have found that just doing my work has been really amazing. And I haven't always done it. <laughs> yep. It, it works. Right. When you follow the advice of spirit, it works. That's why a lot of reason why people like this tradition, because it works. <laughs> That's literally it. Yeah, it works. And we just let you know. But sometimes things have an end game. And like they right. have a long game. And I just know that like looking now at where I am and then knowing how far I can go. 
it was just coronavirus was a real eye opener for me. Like, oh shit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe you don't know everything, girl. Mm-hmm. Maybe the mm-hmm. way that you thought that you was gonna do this is actually limiting yourself. Right. You know, like I realized I was actually limiting myself by thinking that being a spiritualist and a musician was going to be too much. Right. I was saying like, oh, you're not enough. Mm-hmm. That's trash. Yeah. I feel like that's that's sort of been the sobering moment for a lot of people, you know, in this moment. Like, oh, wait, how have I been limiting myself right now? Dude, right. <laughs> now I have to look at it. Yeah. And I also think. It's really a beautiful time because it feels like a lot of people are, because there's this time, like people are looking more into ATR. People are looking more into Conjure Hoodoo. People are like seeking something because they're like, I actually have the time to do the things I told myself I didn't have time for spiritually and religiously. So how have you sort of been interacting with those people? And I guess sort of what, maybe even what advice do you have for people who are like, I felt like I've always had gifts or I want to interact with this tradition, but I don't know what to do. Like, what would you say to them? Uh, A few things. So I've been trying to think of like tangible ways to be interfacing with the public now. Cause there's like this thirst for content and those of us who make content and heal and define have the time to do it. Um, so in terms of tangible options, I always encourage, um, you guys to check out my Patreon because there are things on my Patreon that I do. I do lamp services, which are where people can put like in their blessings. Um, and then I run a ritual service around those things. Um, I like to create content on my Patreon. I also have a YouTube and a Twitter now, apparently, and all the other things. So if you want content from me, you can actually find it there and my website. In terms of interfacing with the tradition, though, set up an altar space. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be big. I always suggest a glass of water and a candle um, and a mirror. I really love the mirror for protection work, for reversing, but also for ancestor work. Because when you look at yourself in that mirror, you are doing the work. Ancestor work really is self-love work. It's like the OG self-love work. So, um, yeah, that be encouraged. Do your research. Start with a divination from someone that you trust. Um, you know, listen to Juju's podcast because this is an invaluable resource. Seriously, guys. Um, and like, breathe as well. Like, conjure is taking care of yourself. Conjure is taking care of the earth. Learn to plant something now. Learn how to make something grow out the ground. Dance. Like, conjure really is about reclaiming the black body. You know, the liberation of the black body. Like, I think that that is conjure. I think about that in my womanhood. I think about that in my music. I think about that Mm -hmm. in how I present, like, as a free black woman. And Mm -hmm. the fact that my ancestors worked so hard for me to be able to be that. And they work physically. They work spiritually, you know. So Mm -hmm. free yourself. Liberate yourself. Breathe things good in and breathe out nasty things. Don't wear a bra freeball it, you know, whatever you need to do. I love that you, um, well, first is thank you for saying that. I think that's really good advice. And I know that folks are going to hear this and be like, oh my God, I'm ready to like slide in your DMs. I'm ready to like get all the information that I can Mm -hmm. and, and come to a spiritual practitioner and go to the person that I trust. And yes, that is true. And I mean, we're kind of, 
ending, but I think this conversation is really, really important. And I just want you to speak on, you know, proper ways to engage with practitioners, um, especially at this time, as, as so many of us are like busy and dealing with a lot, but just in general, um, Because I do want people to hear this and and understand that, yes, there are people that you can reach out to, but I think we we also have to learn how to do that. So I just want to have a practitioner kind of talk to speak on that since, you know, you are public facing and I'm sure you have people sign your DM. Yes. So what do you want them to know? (laughs) So like um, practitioners are people too. And we have hours that we sleep and hours that we eat like everybody else. So if you would not text your doctor at 3 a.m., don't text me at 3 a.m. because the energy that it takes is the same. Like whatever you're asking me to do, like if you have a demon in your house, it, you know, like don't text me at 3. It takes energy and I'm in the bed. Um, I always prefer that people email me with things and give me time and give me space to get back to them. It is literally a pandemic and a national emergency. So like, I'm going to get to you, I promise. But it may take a little while. Same with shipping times for works. It's coming. Um, y'all be wild in the DMs though. Have a little bit of like respect. And the best thing that you can offer a spiritualist, I'm going to be honest, is that you pay for their time and their energy. Ciao. Well, I think that people think that I'm being like snotty when I say that. Or capitalist. But it's not that. It's because what we deal in is currency. I mean, what we deal in is energy. That mm-hmm. is our currency. Energy work is our currency. And so for somebody like me, what you think is a free conversation, A, should not be free, but B, takes energy away from the actual ritual works that someone paid me to do. And so I have to be a little bit more distant with my time and diligent with my time. It's not just you. You know what I mean? It's not just you that I got to be diligent with. I can't scroll Instagram all day when I have to do four candle works that day. Otherwise, I'm going to be exhausted. So there are times that I have to be like, turn off the phone. But here nor there, be respectful, be polite, be authentic, um, pay and tip and do your work. If you're looking to build a long-term relationship with that divine, especially do your work. Um, I hope, like, I think maybe people come to ATR divinations thinking that they are like um, tarot readings where you don't, you should be prepared generally in ATRs to pay for the divination and then to pay for any resulting works if that conjure doctor needs to do works. So maybe factor that little bit in as well. And I know that there's no way to know what you need, but be prepared to get an invoice. Don't let that invoice put you off. You know what I mean? Like know that that's coming. Don't think that this is going to be, yeah, your money is messed up and your relationship is terrible. I could do that. And if there are works that you can do yourself that are free, I'm going to tell you. But if you have something more serious going on and it's a service that I offer or a service that I refer you to another practitioner to do, you should be prepared to pay and tip that person. And you should, I don't know. I think that's really Be good. Be a nice person. Mm Mm-hmm. Agreed. I just, I think it's important to uplift as we are sort of embracing, talking about in a more public way, these traditions, also how to be with each other as we are doing that Ooh. and how we need to communicate with each other. Cause it's not just about the tradition itself. It's also the respect, the hierarchical levels that like we, like we have to address those things too. And like, keep be mindful of, of that as well. 
Well, yeah, I know we are long on time, and I'm sure there'll be like editing and things that happen. But um, we're good. I it's really interesting to me because people. I think what it is is the mass marketeered propaganda around hoodoo being folk magic and anybody's magic. As much as some people want to get up and fuss and fight, like okay, so people like to rattle off what they hear. So you hear all of these hoodoo practitioners coming and saying hoodoo is not for profit. Hoodoo is not for sale. Now that now I'm going to say it again. Hoodoo is not for sale. You can have ritual work. Someone can sell a condition oil, you know, like things that come from creators. Items are for sale, but hoodoo is not for sale. The healing is not for sale. And so people will see that and go rattle it off but then they don't hold themselves accountable for the ways that they treat it like it's for sale within the community. And I is honestly public facing. And I'm just like, these are closed traditions. <laughs> and so there is a hierarchy here. And anybody says, who says that hoodoo was never initiatory does not know their history and doesn't know any real workers. Right. And yeah, yeah that's just the tea on that. And so, um, it does, I think that kind of casualness comes mm-hmm. from that hoodoo ass folk magic combined with like hoodoo now living with the Twitter generation and no shade to the Twitter generation because I love Twitter, especially mm-hmm. black Twitter and especially black witch Twitter. Y'all are my babies. But the pace at which Twitter moves is not the pace at which Condor moves. Right. It's not instant in that way, necessarily. It's not instant. And you can't trust everything you read on the damn Twitter. You're not going to learn how to work your ancestors. I don't care how many threads you listen to on the Twitter unless you go sit down. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody want to tweet and retweet. And yes, baby, tweet and retweet me. And Juju and everybody, retweet everybody. But at some point, you got to sit down and put your phone down and talk to these dead people out loud. Yeah. Pray out loud. So you got to pray out loud. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't do enough of that because talking out loud to your ancestors with no phone in your hand is like the OG grounding exercise. Like right. we have healing built into our practices, but you have to do your things. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I tell you go outside and get some sun, just go outside and get some sun. That's going to help you. Your mental yep. health will be better. <laughs> yep. Yep. Thank you for saying that. And also thank you for then sort of ending that with mental health. And I think that's a good sort of um, round out way for the interview. Of course, you're going to plug your things after, but I guess what is your, for people who are struggling with um, mental health right now, or maybe even some type of experience similar to what you had, that sort of just like could be earth shattering. Um, what advice do you have for them from, I guess, a spiritual framework of how to move through that at this time, potentially using, using conjure or ancestors or whatever, just what is your advice to to those folks and also wanting to do this work? Yes. Okay. So the first thing is if you do not have an ancestor altar in your home, please take the time to set one up and don't overcomplicate it. If you can get a candle or a light source in a glass of water, and you are diligent about praying there, you will be just fine. From there, I say offer fruit. I know a lot of people say liquor, tobacco, cigarettes, and I think those things too are nice and candy, but I have found movement in my depression when I offer fresh fruit, 
right? When I offer things that have a little bit of sweetness and have that whole thing. So some like, life, some life, offer things with some life. Your folks like mm-hmm. devices, but in a time where things are so complicated, especially if you have addiction in your family and you use substances yourself as a way to deal with mental health. My folks still have their tobacco and their liquor, but they also have like fruits and water. And I keep that water fresh and I keep that light maybe lit a little bit longer. Like keep your lamps burning when it's mess, you know, turn your lamps on, keep your lights on. If you are sensitive and mediumistic, cover your head cover your head. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated. Some people, love, I love a good head wrap, um, but you could put on a beanie or a skull cap or a baseball cap. A do-rag. A do-rag, yeah. a do-rag right? Like, mm-hmm. just make sure that you get a little something on your head because there's panic and there's fear in the air. Yeah. And then those of us who are already sensitive in the head space can absorb that. Um, be careful what you consume. I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about media consumption is a big thing and so you may need to take some social media time i like to check my news on my own time i don't like to have my news notifications on um and then of course spiritual hygiene your baths and whatnot but really reach out to people and find the balance between quiet time but also reach out to people who you're in community with Pray out loud. A lot of us have more time with the altar than we maybe ever have. Go talk to them. You know, it'll bring you some peace. And if you're a creative like me, create things when you feel ready. Because that is also part of this, which is like, sometimes it's just got to come about you. Okay. That's a real thing. And that creation thing is a real thing. I'm not going to go on my tangent, but let me tell you. That comes up a lot, even when I'm giving Reiki. It's always the, somebody to just create something, get it out. Oh, get it I out. Think I think like, I'm not a musician or I'm not a painter or I'm not, I like everyone uh, needs to create. Yes. Everyone needs to create. Like you need to create something. I don't care if you doodle. Little kids create things and they don't think about whether it's ever going to be for sale or if it's gonna, they're gonna make a career. Like you need to make something. Make a paper airplane, baby. Go throw some sticks together, but like put yourself in a creative releasing space every day. Some of y'all don't do that, which is why y'all be in other people's business on the internet. You like to create mess. <laughs> Cause you ain't creating nowhere. <laughs> you ain't creating no nothing. So you're over here creating drama. Mm. Okay. Even in your own life. It, and y'all are bored and make mess in your life. And you know how many people come to the divination map? And they be like, my whole life is in shambles. Somebody is spiritually attacking me. And I'd be like, it's you. Honey. <laughs> Honey. It's you, babe. I hate to see it. <laughs> There's no problem here but you. We hate to see. Honestly, it's real. And and the look, I've heard that a few times, you know? It happens. It's okay. We can move through it, y'all, but sometimes it's us. <laughs> it's okay. So and thank funny. you for saying that, because it's real. Um, thank you so much, Satara, yeah. for this interview. Um, please plug all of your things. I know you have so many offerings for us. So where can we find you? Where can we talk to you? How can we work with you? What are your things? How can we support you? Ah, okay, so there's a lot of things because I'd be doing three much. But um, first things first, on the Instagrams, if you're looking to book a divination or you want to find all things Satara in general, 
go to www.satara.com. On Instagram, I am Satara at I am S-A-T-A-R-R-A. Um, my divination books are open right now. I think I want to say I'm like three to four weeks booked out. So plan for that. Um, but there's music. I run a playlist called Conjure Cuts. My EP is available there. Um, I do lamp services. I have a Patreon where there's a little more personal information and they get first dibs on product launches. Speaking of product launches, I have Florida water, which is a traditional recipe I make that I restock usually on full moons, not every full moon when it's available. Um, and then I just released the better business oil to celebrate my one year of Satara, the business, and it sold out really, really fast. And so um, I'm going to restock that as well, but it's for business owners and anything else you want to know about me, you can find on my website and on the internet. I'm always on Instagram talking shit. <laughs> and then your Twitter, what's your Twitter? Did you say that? I am Satara because I'm now a Twitter bitch. Yay. Davy and my friend Attilio made me a Twitter bitch. I started a Twitter last year in February and then tweeted three tweets and then never tweeted anymore. <laughs> in February, I was like, mm, why don't I get Twitter? And I looked back, and the last time I tweeted was February. And I was like, something about Black History Month made me want to be on Black Twitter. But I stayed. Come on. But I didn't give up this time. And, so and you're there. And I'm there. And we love it. And you're giving us threads, honey. You're giving I, us information. I remember <laughs> when I learned how to reply to myself, bitch, it's over. A Gemini. Over. Quickly. I was like, Twitter is the place to yell into the void. Yes. I was like, this is the most Gemini app I've ever. Why was I asleep on this? I'm over here trying to give the people long Instagram captions. No, let me upgrade my life. Well, we love it. We love you. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really hope y'all check out Satara. I know a lot of folks already know who Satara is and they're checking this out and just standing. But for those who don't know who Satara is, really hope that y'all check her out, book your dibs, because this is who I tell. This is who I trust to be like, please book a divination with her because I'm not reading you. And this is someone that you can trust who's going to give you good information and whose work walks, honey, which means it works. Whose work works. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. And um, yeah, thank y'all for tuning in to another episode. Go support Satara. I'll have all the information in the show notes per usual. And thank you, Bo. Oh, you mean you didn't tell me to tell you. Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of A Little Juju Podcast. If you would like to reach out to me, of course, you can hit me up on my website, I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E. It's jujubae.com. There you can get some Reiki. You know I'm hashtag Reiki on. So if you want some Reiki, hit me up there. Also, any sponsorships, ads, anything like that that you want to do, hit me up. Um, thank y'all for bearing with me being outside. <laughs> you can, uh, with the, with the police cause, uh, you can hit me up on Instagram, of course, at I T S J J B A E. It's Juju Bay. Also on Twitter, I am it's Juju Bay. I'll be talking shit on Twitter, so I'm good for a thread here and there, but I'm talking shit. And, um, I think that's pretty much it. Sending y'all peace, abundance, love, prosperity, protection, safety, health. If you're wishing the same for me and mine, um, God bless saints. God bless the ain'ts. Y'all have a good day. And remember, all you need is a little juju. Adios.